Welcome back to another episode of The Silent Battle. I hope everyone is having a great week so far. I am super excited for this segment today. Again, I am your host, Erica Honeycutt, and today I will be interviewing my good friend and respiratory therapist, Missy McCormick. Missy and I actually met at St. Thomas Hospital Wellness Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. She was the respiratory therapist for my pulmonary rehab class, and she is absolutely wonderful. I asked Missy to come on here today and talk with you all about the importance of respiratory care when you are facing lung disease or autoimmune diseases that affect your lungs. Also, I'm sure she will have some good tips for us on how to keep our lungs as healthy as possible. Welcome, Missy. Thank you for being part of the Silent Battle podcast today. Good morning, my friend. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Can you tell us about your background in respiratory therapy? I can. I've been around quite a long time. Um, I have been a respiratory therapist for 39 years. Um, It's not a really old field, so I've been able to uh, really see changes in technology and how uh, medicine has really improved, especially in the field of respiratory therapy. But I've done everything. I've done uh, neonatal work, I've worked with children, I've done trauma, ICU, uh, outpatient pulmonary rehab, I've done home health, DME, I've done, I've done all of it. <laughs> That's awesome. Also, can mm-hmm. you um, share with us the importance of respiratory care for people who have diseases that affect their lungs? Absolutely. So you know that um, it's a progressive disease, right? Yes. And so as soon as you uh, get a good diagnosis, you need to act accordingly. You need to have a a pulmonary physician managing you. Um, You need to be on a good regimen. You need to get exercise. You need to eat well. There's a whole lot of things that you can do to take care of yourself. Absolutely. And also, if you wouldn't mind, um, please explain the process of getting enrolled in a local pulmonary rehab. So, um, you're going to need a referral from your physician. I, again, cannot stress the importance of having a pulmonary physician on board with your care. Yes. Um, and so, you need a, you can get a referral from a primary care. You cannot get a referral from a, a nurse practitioner. It has to be a physician. Mm-hmm. And so the physician will, if you have a diagnosis and you meet the criteria, and the criteria is you have to have a pulmonary function that states you have lung disease. Okay, you can't have a normal pulmonary function, so it has to be less than 80%. Okay. And there are two values that they look at. They look at your FEV1 and they look at your forced vital capacity. And um, those measurements, if they meet the criteria, then and you have a good diagnosis, then you can get um, you can get in. And once you get in, you're going to be evaluated and it's a pretty you know where I come from it's a pretty um, extensive evaluation Mm -hmm. we put you on a little equipment to see where you are and see what you can do Um, in that respect we uh, we do a six-minute walk because we want to see how your oxygen tolerates any kind of activity and what you need in regard to staying um, at a certain oxygen level while you work out Mm -hmm. and um, and that's pretty much it. Once we do the six-minute walk and you've done the spirometry and you've got the diagnosis, then you start. Now, does insurance cover pulmonary rehab? Insurance does co- cover pulmonary rehab with those things I talked about, that diagnosis and that criteria to meet the program. And um, most everyone follows Medicare guidelines. So if you have insurance, they usually pick up 80% of it, and then your co-insurance or your secondary or whatever um, will 
usually get taken care of. Some people may have a little out of pocket, but not much. Now, how can attending a local pulmonary rehab help your lungs? Like, what exactly do you do in the class? Oh, my goodness. So, we know that exercise, so we also know there is no cure for these things, right? Right. So, and we know that it's progressive, right? Right. So, um, we want to make sure that we, um, that we help you understand the Mm -hmm. importance of why you're here. So exercise keeps those um, symptoms at bay. So when you exercise, you're making your muscles stronger, you're getting blood flow, you're doing all these things that um, are helping. And um, that's really that's really it. That, the bottom line is we want to help you with a better quality of life. We want to teach you about how to eat, how to do your meds, and how to sleep, and right. uh, seriously, uh, so many things. And um, the exercise is key. We keep your symptoms at bay if you exercise to a great degree because you get better muscle strength right Makes right sense. you're strengthening your lungs yes yeah yeah um and can you share with us some safe easy breathing techniques that can be tried at home if felt comfortable oh sure so um we do these little so we all know that anxiety can get somebody completely profoundly wrapped up especially Absolutely. when they're when they're breathing yes and you can just start breathing and you can um cause yourself to pass out i mean you can cause yourself so much anxiety that you have these physical manifestations that are terrible and you think you're going to die oh yeah so i tell everyone there's a technique called personal breathing and it's primarily for people that have copd an obstructive process your lungs are like balloons right mm-hmm. you take a deep breath in the balloon expands you blow out the balloon collapses right Mm-hmm. Well, people with COPD have these floppy little lungs or floppy little air sacs, and so they don't completely compress. Mm-hmm. So you've got this extra air in your chest that you've got to get out because you have nowhere to take any more air in, right? You've got this box, right? and it's then the balloon is full. You've got nowhere else to blow the balloon up. You've got to do something. Mm-hmm. Hence, you're causing yourself lots of shortness of breath. Hence, you're causing yourself anxiety, right? Right. So we have a little maneuver that works well if you do it correctly, and that's the key. You, do it, you have to do it correctly. So you take a breath in for two seconds, you blow that breath out for four, you take that breath in through your nose, mm-hmm. you blow that breath out for four seconds, okay? I want it twice as long as your inspiratory phase. And the key is you gotta press those lips together or purse those lips like you're getting ready to give somebody a big kiss on the cheek. <laughs> and when you do that, you take the air in through your nose for two seconds, you blow it out for four with your lips pursed, it absolutely helps you get all of that waste gas, that carbon dioxide, out of your lungs yes. so that you have more room to get air in. So even people, and you have to really talk yourself, and you know, the mind is pretty powerful. If you talk yourself into something, you make your mind up, you know, it, it, it's very helpful. So if you talk yourself into being calm and letting this work, in through your nose, out through your mouth, you have to really focus on it. You have to be present. Okay. It really works, um, um, you know. It, it does work. Yes, I, I use it and all I, the time, and so yeah. you know, I mean, I, I like I said, it it works. It works wonders. And I tell people, yeah, I tell people that don't that don't necessarily have an obstructive process. They may have something else going on. Just sit and be calm. In through your nose, out through your mouth. Go someplace in your mind. I don't care where it is, the beach, whatever. Calm yourself down. Think about your puppy. Whatever it takes. <laughs> Yes. Just be calm because it will work. Because the yeah, more that you are worked up, the the oh, harder it is yeah. for you to breathe. Yeah, yeah. 
exactly and i've seen i've seen some people just get really completely wrapped up and it's it's so frightening you know i I can't imagine but i tell you know i have family members that come in and they're like i don't understand you look so healthy well he's not you know his lungs are not healthy at all Mm -hmm. and um and so it's a very deceiving thing and and people don't understand always why their loved ones are so sick because they don't look at some do obviously some don't and I tell them, you know what? Take a coffee straw. You know what a coffee straw is? Those tiny little coffee yes. straws that you get everywhere you go to get coffee, right? And mm-hmm. you put that in your mouth. You put a tight seal around that. You hold your nose. And you breathe through that all day long. And then you come back to me and let me know how that worked for you. Because that's what happens with their loved ones. That's what happens with people that have difficulty breathing that sometimes don't look like they're unhealthy. Yes. It's, it's it's terribly frightening and it's 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 difficult it's difficult yeah so i get it what they do too they'll come back to me a family member will come back to me and say holy cow i tried that for five minutes right yeah yeah because that's i mean that's actually a very good way of explaining it because you know it, it that's how it feels honestly yeah it's tough it's tough what is the best type of exercise to strengthen your lungs and build lung capacity and why well so any kind of movement erica any kind of movement is going to have um an impact on on all your muscles okay so um i i'm a firm believer in getting somewhere first Mm -hmm. in a in a medically um in a a medical surveyed program Mm -hmm. because you don't want to go out there hard in the paint and think well i can do this right you need to be supervised so that we can tell you okay this is what you need oxygen wise to work out this is where i don't want your heart rate to go over and some of these people can get to their you know their um their heart rate their high target heart rates really high and we set those a little bit lower because we don't want them to get so um so exhausted you know or something happened bad to them so we have to be very slow so um we um we we tell everybody to go to a medically supervised program first get everything you need to know get all of your um get all your parameters set you know okay i need to use three liters of oxygen i need to do this and then once you graduate from the program from a medically supervised program they're going to tell you hey you can once you walk a mile why don't you go to the gym and get on the treadmill why don't you do this because to be honest with you erica what does everybody have to do every day walk exactly so the biggest thing is we want you to be able to walk and um and not be and it not be dangerous for you so you need to be supervised so that we can see what's going on you need to be better in terms of your um exercise capacity you need to be able to be firm on your feet which you know, most everybody is when they come to pulmonary rehab. We can't see somebody, you know, that can't function. Yes. Um, now, we see people that are very borderline, and we get them to places where we say, okay, you need to go to a wellness center and work out. You don't need to be doing that at home, okay? Right. So, um, anyway, there's all different kinds of levels, but what you need to do first is be go through a medically supervised program so that you can get stronger Build and understand up. what you need. Yes. And then understand what you need in terms of your oxygen requirements and and some other things and uh you go from there everybody's different in that that respect right um now a pulse ox meter shows your oxygen saturation and your heart rate how do you use this device 
and which number is your heart rate and which number is your oxygen saturation well so that that can be kind of tricky because some of those things the um if it's upright it's usually that your sats are on the top and your heart rate is on the bottom but they're not all like that it mm-hmm. can be opposite you can also rotate it and when you rotate it you know if you turn it sideways the numbers will change on you right so what you should see up there is spo2 mm-hmm. and that's your oxygen and hr and that's your heart rate and those should always they most saturation monitors or pulse oxes have those numbers on there yes or have those identifying uh, letters on there to help you with your numbers. No, what what SATs are considered normal and what SATs are considered abnormal? So everyone is different, right? But mm-hmm. so many people think they need 95 and above. Okay, so I have patients that, um, so 90 and above is considered normal, okay? No uh-huh. one needs 95 or above. You don't need that. Right. Um, but if somebody's been doing their SATs and they're like, oh my God, I've been at 97 for so long and now I'm at 94. You're okay, sister. Uh, that that's not a big deal. The concern is that you would drop below 88. Now there are some patients that are so uh, far gone in the process that they're 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 happy to get to 88. Right. But th- those are those are difficult situations and pretty far progressed. When I was doing pulmonary rehab, our directive was that you could not drop below 88 uh, percent. We just couldn't have it. Um, so, you know, your heart is a muscle. It's mm-hmm. the only muscle that we don't want to get big because what happens when you exercise? Your muscles get big. Right. Well, when your heart gets big, it doesn't want to pump well. It gets floppy. So we don't want that heart. We don't want that heart muscle to get big, right? Right. Well, how are we going to prevent that? Because we want to exercise you. We want everything else to get stronger. Oxygen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oxygen dilates those vessels, helps the work of breathing, doesn't put the load on the heart as much. Um, so it's important that you that we keep you safe while you're there. So we're going to make sure that if you drop, and that's why you're in a medically supervised area, right? So we're right. going to watch every bit of that. We're going to take SATs and uh, do blood pressures if we need to. We're going to take SATs, heart rates, and boards. And boards are your perceived rate of exertion or how you're breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... We're going to check all that constantly on every piece of equipment. We're going to check all that to make sure you're good. And if you drop, if you're on four liters and you drop below 88, guess what? We're going to five. Because we're going to keep you or we're going wherever it takes to keep you above that threshold. Because we're going to keep you safe. We're not going to wear you out. Uh, You're going to be, for the first few sessions, it's probably not going to be fun. And you're going to have to say, oh, my God, i got to go back in there. And you need to drag yourself back in there. Because it does get better. It gets better quick. It does. But we're going to keep you safe, and we're going to keep you above that 88%. Make sense? Yes. How do you feel, or how may you feel, when oxygen levels drop? And also, what's the quickest way to bring up your oxygen levels when they have dropped? That's a great question. So, anytime you want to get those levels up, you want to sit, relax, like I said, or just stop what you're doing. If you can't sit somewhere, just stop and breathe through your nose, do that first slip breathing, you're going to get that oxygen throughout the system, and you should pop up pretty quick, okay? Okay. Um, Hopefully, you pop up pretty quick. Again, I don't like the dropping down at all, because again, that's hard on your heart. Right. But um, you just need to sit and do some good, you know, do some good, slow, relaxed breathing, Mm -hmm. and your oxygen level should pop up pretty quick. 
Right. What was the second part of that question you asked me? No, I, I was asking how may you feel when your oxygen oh, levels gotcha. have dropped. So you could be, for the most part, people get kind of foggy. Yes, you know? they, dizzy, it, kind they of. They can be confused. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much, if you're chronically hypoxic, that, that's pretty much what happens. You're confused, you're absolutely fatigued, but you can be kind of, kind of cloudy for sure. Yes, and at that point, you know, I've been there many times. You know, I I sit down and I I jerk out that pul that pulse uh -huh. oxy oximeter and I check my uh -huh. oxygen right away, and so I can know what's going on. But that's yeah, right. normally how I feel. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I can only imagine it would be scary. Yes, but I've seen it a million times. Yes. I know that with my disease, sometimes I have a lot of mucus that's in my lungs, especially in the mornings. What's the best way to clear mucus from your lungs? So you need to have a good, and, and, and to be, and sidebar here, YouTube. You can go on YouTube, you can pull up anything and get any of these breathing techniques, but you need a good, strong cough. Yes. And um, you need to know how to cough, and we call that diaphragmatic coughing. So I suggest, and personally breathing, go on YouTube and see how to do it. But a person needs to make sure if they're not on any kind of water or fluid restriction, they need to make sure they stay well hydrated. Mm -hmm. I also tell, you know, I, again, I say you have to go to your physician for everything. I'm not a doctor. However, right. I do love Mucinex. And I tell everybody, if your doctor says it's okay, get on it. Yes. Because if you drink plenty of water, that Mucinex is just amazing. It will and it clear helps you out. With, it will. It will. I've taken it when I've been sick, and I feel like I can breathe to my toes. Yes. Um, so I love that stuff. And I take. I actually use it. Uh, my pulmonologist, um, she recommends it for me, and um, it's just plain guaifenesin. Uh, there's no yeah. D in it, uh, decongestant, and so that's uh -huh. that's what kind I I use. So. I gotcha. Yeah, it's great. Um, I'd say either or. You know, what, whichever. I I just love all of. Them. Yes. If you wear oxygen, how important is it that you are changing your tubing and your cannulas and why? Well, it's super important. Um, I know I don't judge anybody when I go to their home, but sometimes things are worse than others. Yes. We say, I say, you know, we change it. Infection control in the hospital is you're going to change it a lot. Yes. Um, but that's kind of, that's. That's a little bit different now than it used to be. We used to change out everything every week, and I don't, they don't do that now. Right. But in the home environment, you need to probably do it once a month. And um, because you don't want, I mean, for one thing, um, you're you breathing don't want in any, all of that, you know. Yeah, you don't want to get anything, you don't want to get sick from something that's dirty. But on top of that, um, the cannulas will break down from the grease on your face, yes. the oils on your face, not grease, oil on your face and it makes that plastic hard and that's not comfortable no um so you want to do everything you can to make your life as comfortable as possible so keep that thing clean because it's going right into your lungs and you know everything that's in that cannula is going straight into your lungs right and so keep it clean and it'll be more comfortable as well do you have any tips for folks out there um listening that wear oxygen and that suffer from dry nose and nosebleeds due to wearing oxygen well, the biggest thing I can tell you is that um, you need to have some kind of moisturizer. You cannot use any kind of uh, uh, any oil-based anything, okay? Right. So um, there are water-based solutions that you can put around your nose and mouth. But mm -hmm. the biggest thing is you need humidification, and I would say a water bottle. 
Um, people really don't like to use water bottles because if you have a problem in the night with your concentrator, it's usually that your water bottle is not hooked up correctly or it's cross-threaded, you know, when you screwed it back on after you put the water in it. So right. people, they can be a pain in the behind. Mm -hmm. However, they can be very necessary for uh, some people. So I say that if your own, so your nose is your humidifier, right? That's your natural humidifier. Yes. So anybody on two liters or less, technically, theoretically, should not need ox or humidification on their oxygen, but a lot of people do. Yes. And I think a lot of it is environment. And um, so I say, use the water bottle or put some kind of water-based solution around your nose. Um, they have KY jelly. They have all kinds of things like that. Um, but make sure it's not oil-based, okay? You can't put uh, Vaseline on your nose while you've got oxygen. Oxygen is not... Um, oxygen supports fire. It's not flammable, but it supports fire. Mm -hmm. So if there's a situation that happens, it burns hot and fast. So... Um, and I have seen patients that have come into the emergency room because they were smoking with their tank on and blew themselves, you know, had a flash in the face. I had a patient that wow. went over to light a candle and had a flash fire in her face. Oh my gosh. So you have to be careful. It, it's, that's a thing. That's a real thing. Do you have anything else you want to add or share to today's segment? You know what? I just love you and I think you've done so well and you are just the Aww. epitome of the perfect patient. And I hope that this this podcast does really well for you because it's such a needed conversation to have and you are the perfect person to do it so I'm really proud of you and I'm so happy that you invited me here today it's been it's been pretty cool well I just love you too um and again I appreciate you so much for coming on here today with me and allowing me to interview you it's always a pleasure talking to you um and I know this interview really educated and helped a lot of listeners out there I hope so, and I'd love to come back anytime. Well, remember, if you out there have any questions or comments, please email me at thesilentbattle2022 at gmail.com. Again, that's thesilentbattle2022 at gmail.com. And always remember, life is tough, but so are you. Everyone have a great rest of the day and a great rest of the week. Bye-bye. Thank you, Erica. Bye.